This podcast contains adult language and mature themes, which may not be suitable for all listeners. So listen at your own fucking risk. Welcome to Essential NPCs, the podcast where we sample some of the best and possibly some of the worst tabletop RPGs. I'm Tommy. And I'm Addie. And you're listening to Series 4, Episode 8, Quid Pro Quo. And let's start it off with some announcements. Um, our first announcement is a pretty big one, like we promised. <laughs> um, so uh, the time has come, my friends. Uh, we here at Essential NPCs are going into our fifth series. We're starting to get set up and, uh, series five is our listener's choice. Listener's choice. That's right. (laughs) Listener's choice. Uh, so, uh, as you may or may not know, uh, we like to jump from RPG system to RPG system here on essential NPCs. It's kind of our thing. Uh, and, uh, we do, uh, 20 episode series uh, with uh, intermittent t- little short series of 10 episodes. This series, series four, is a 20 episode series. Um, so we're not even quite halfway through yet, but we wanted to get the ball rolling on listeners' choice uh, a little early on. Uh, predominantly, that's because we're going to have you guys vote to uh, tell us what we play next. Um, on our poll, which will be on our Facebook page, um, you can go and vote uh, for us to revisit Series 1, Dungeons and Dragons, Series 2, Shadowrun, Series 3, Un- Uncharted Worlds, or Mystery Other. Um, and even if you vote for one of those three, you can also write in Other and let us know what uh, other RPGs that you'd like to see us play in the future. So uh, a vote for a revisited series is in fact a vote to revisit that campaign. Uh, we will try to get as many of the original cast members back in this recording studio playing their original characters uh, with the notable exception being Uncharted Worlds. We kind of leveled up a little too fast in Uncharted Worlds uh, and those characters really don't have anywhere to go as far as leveling up. Um, so if we revisit Uncharted Worlds, it will be a continuation of that campaign, that world that Addy built, uh, but we will be playing different characters. But for Dungeons & Dragons, Shadowrun, Uncharted Worlds, uh, that is a continuation of that story one way or another with as many of the the same characters as we can bring in. So the poll is open now uh, and will stay open for the next three weeks. We will be announcing what system you guys chose for us to play for Series 5 on March 14th. So you have until the 14th to uh, to get your answers in. So spread the word. Go to our Facebook. Uh, let us know what system you'd like us to revisit or if you'd like us to keep mixing it up and uh, play a new system. Uh, This isn't to diminish the value of Series 4, though. Uh, We're doing this a a little bit before halfway through Series 4 because we want to know what you guys want us to play for Series 5 so that we can try and get as many of those cast members back. Yep, we're going to try and get the band back together. So um, (laughs) definitely go vote and definitely put what other RPGs you'd like to see us play. Um, And that is it for our announcement. So let's... Move on in to Words with the GM. Hello. Hello, GM. Hello. Uh, this Words with the GM Hello. is about Series 4, Episode 7, 
City of Nightmares. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which, uh, go figure, was full of nightmares. <laughs> yeah, that was a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> terrifying. That's good. I wanted it to be terrifying. It, it was It was important to me that, uh, that this was a very visceral experience for you guys. Um, because Paldoris is supposed... Like, it's supposed to be so horrible there that the Paldorans are okay flying around on their storm ships, most of them being resorting to piracy to survive. Yeah, uh, no, I agree with them. They should <laughs> they should stay up there forever. I got I I was almost eaten by like seven different kinds of monsters. It was really not great. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh I'm glad uh, I'm glad I achieved my goal there. Um uh, and I think the the key element to making that a successful experience for you guys uh, is something that I try really hard to work on when I'm a game master. I think it's one of my weaknesses, um, and it's uh, it's d- the descriptions of things. I am very prone uh, to saying, and then a guy comes up and says this to you, and then he says a couple more things and then walks away, and not describing anything about that guy. And I really think uh, in order to um, have any sort of emotional control over your players, like to like really make them feel a certain way going through a scene, uh, you gotta paint the picture. You gotta like take the time to describe things. Like you guys could have peeked around the corner and I could have been like, you see a Raptor with feathers on its back. And then like, just be done with that. And, and, uh, and that wouldn't have been too terrifying for you guys. But the fact that I went and I, I chose very specific elements of that Raptor to describe in like kind of a gross way saying like his face was red and leathery and wrinkly. Like none of those words are pleasant. (laughs) (laughs) And so like, it starts to make you guys like imagine this like kind of nasty creature. And then like, I could have been like, you see a gorilla with six arms and horns. And then like, then, okay, sure. Or like, I can like piecemeal it together. Like, Oh, it's probably a gorilla. Oh, it has six arms. What? It has horns and six eyes. And now it's like snarling. I don't like this. Yeah. Uh, like slowly building it up. Uh, and I mean, hand monsters are just crazy. Well, I mean, they're, ter- first of all, they're terrifying. Uh, and then also they're like the apex predator. I mean, yeah. in, in a city of apex predators, it's the apex predator. And I, I was lucky enough that I was I was in the zone going into this one that I was kind of able to wing most of that. And, like, I didn't know what flying creatures were going to be around, but I was like, what would be really fucking creepy? And, like, for some reason I thought flying hands. And then I just kind of made them worse as I went along. But I wouldn't recommend just trying to, to wing it up on the fly. That's actually something, like I said before, I'm usually pretty bad at. Um, and, uh, taking the time when you're planning out a session, uh, to write down little descriptions, like little flowery descriptions of things, uh, just like little points for you to hit. Like maybe, you know, you think up a character who's like, you know, the captain of a ship and, and then you write down like a, a couple sentences really quick being like, where's their gun a certain way, has a scar under their right eye, always seems to uh, smile with the corner of his mouth when he talks, that kind of thing. And you just like kind of hit those notes when you describe it and suddenly you've painted the picture of an actual character, something that your players can like visualize and and uh, drive the immersion of the scene. And that's how you have that kind of emotional uh, uh, effect on your players. Uh, the way to make it things terrifying or gross is is all in the descriptions. And it's something that I always try to work, uh, work better at, at um, remembering to do. I mean, as a player, that's kind of what you hope for. At least, you know, that like three points of like 
the the scar, the gun, and the smile, uh, because then you kind of can get a feel for who that character is and how you should interact with them based on who your character is. It's really nice to have on offer the, the distinguishing features of a given room or a given person or a given monster. environment or <laughs> monster. <laughs> uh, something to keep in mind every time you're running a game. But uh, let's uh, let's move on in uh, and talk about uh, our favorite parts. Uh, what would you say your favorite part of this series or this episode was as a player? Uh, n- no holds barred. Like it's very easy. Um, this uh, is is Talia's interaction with Duncan Furter and like this the center of this like madhouse, like the city is like literally coming to tear us to bits. And Talia is like floating as high as she can with her ear pressed to the receiver of the radio. And she's like, hello, hello. Let me Uh, take the time to tell you. Like He obviously knows the like level of danger that there is. And it's just like, whatever. (laughs) And it's like, but, what why oh my god is that a hand monster (laughs) uh and like the dichotomy that like comparison between like chaos and like anarchy and just like fear and just like living nightmares and like bureaucracy (laughs) it was was like so fun to listen to yeah so that was my favorite moment what about you I was really happy with the hand monsters, <laughs> but my favorite moment with the hand monsters was as as sadistic as I am. I started to think that the um, the the element of terror started to dip. I felt like the tension just dropped just slightly, and you guys were starting to be a little more comfortable in the situation. And so I had one of the. I ha- don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so so I had one of the hand monsters go down and underground, spurt up blood, and then just crawl out Ugh. on his fingers and, and that was then that was the reaction i got where all of you were like ah! and it was like yeah their hands too <laughs> which somehow makes them creepier and, and it was uh it just immediately like felt like i i had everyone unnerved again which was what i was trying to strive for as like a continual feeling and uh all it took was just like the image of a hand crawling out of uh of a hole covered in blood so awful <laughs> like nightmares about them (laughs) stop it that's not funny yeah Uh, um well okay we've taken enough time uh chatting uh we should uh go ahead and and see what happens now you guys made it out of old paldors uh let's see uh let's see how you do getting to the checkpoint on the purity aloft uh let's move on in to series four episode eight quid pro quo enjoy Hello, I'm Barnabas Gunsby, famous big game hunter and adventurer. I come from common birth, but I've used my skills to make a name for myself. I often go on expeditions to explore the world and its many lost secrets, to tame once wild lands and lay my eyes on wonders few have seen. I've written books of my exploits to help fund my adventures and while the books have brought me wealth and fame, many believe them to be fiction. It's cast a sad shadow over my once great career. But I have been selected to participate in the great Atroposian circuit, where I shall prove 
prove to the world that Barnabas Gunsby is a true legend of adventure. Hello, I'm Tali Nazari. It's true, I am Varishta royalty, and that's all well and good, but ruling is certainly not my true passion, but a duty I fulfil nonetheless. You see, I'm first an inventor and engineer. Self-taught, but I'm very good, a natural. And I suppose that natural talent has only been helped along by a lot of time spent in solitude. But you should see all the sorts of things I've made, mostly through trial and error. I am certainly not afraid to jump in and get my hands dirty when needed. As fate would have it, being an inventor led me straight into what I believe will be one of the most interesting times of my life. Mr. Cornelius Jollypot has asked me to join his team for that great Atroposian circuit. Can you imagine? Of course I said yes, only bolstered by the fact that one of my teammates is Mr. Barnabas Gunsby, my favourite author. We're sure to have a fantastic time and perhaps even have the chance to win. I can't wait to leave Dalvozi and see the world with my amazing and talented teammates by my side. It's all so very exciting. I'm Ezekiel Quaglin, gnome pilot extraordinaire, but my friends call me Zeke. I grew up in Paldoris before the hurricane wars. When the Aedin attacked, I joined the military to do my part in defense of my people. When it came time to return home, we realized that in winning the war, Paldoris had become an uninhabitable wasteland. The Infernal Church of Jinzi swooped in to save the day with their city-sized stormships. This spelled salvation for many of my people, and though I was never particularly religious, I was happy to accept the church's appointment as pilot of Jinzi's Hammer. I flew the city for several years, but I never really enjoyed living on that mechanical monstrosity. When the Evanglesian Civil War broke out, I quickly volunteered for the Jinzi Corps to lend aid to the militarists. Though we lost, I earned admission to the High Flyers, and after the war, used my connections there to become a commercial pilot. It's not glamorous or exciting work, and it barely pays the bills, but it let me fly the skies. When Jollypot offered me a spot on his Atroposian circuit team, I was happy to accept in hopes of retiring to a life of luxury. I mean, even if we don't win, at least it won't be boring. The last time we left Team Jollypot, uh, they had left Tordrian on a pirate ship known as the Silver Spittoon, manned by the intrepid Percival Blackwater and his first mate, Jebediah Longsworth. After dodging uh, some seafaring Aodin uh, scouts, the uh, adventurers cleared the Hurricane Sea and parachuted into Lixig, uh, a destroyed city in Old Paldoris, which is a land that has been completely overgrown with... Uh, Biofluxed monstrosities, sneaking through uh, the old city, a city that Zeke was familiar with uh, from his past. The uh, adventurers managed to find the radio they had to use to uh, communicate with the representative of the court elite. After speaking with Duncan Furter uh, amidst a bunch of chaos of monsters trying to eat Talia. Uh, the team managed to escape with their lives and found that they had moved up to seventh place uh, in the race. Um, 
and uh, they got back aboard the Silver Spittoon and started heading towards the third checkpoint, uh, which is aboard the Purity Aloft, one of the giant city-sized storm ships that the uh, Paldoran exiles um, escaped their land in. Um, as they approach the Purity Aloft, uh, which is currently residing directly above the volcanic island of Jinzi, a ship set out to meet them away from the city, uh, and um, they turned off the engines of the Silver Spittoon and awaited uh, their um, greeting party. So, what uh, what do you guys do? The, uh, the armored uh, vessel is uh, slowly approaching you guys. Just uh, everyone, let me do the talking. Right, right. Um, Percival's talking. Uh, did uh, you grow up on Purity Aloft, by chance? No. Ah, do you do you know anybody there? Do you have some pull? I, I mean, I can tell you're Paldoran. Uh, I mean, I don't have pull per se. I'm retired military. Oh well, I mean that's that's uh, pretty good for uh, it's uh, it's better than being a pirate. And let's uh, just leave it at that. It means they'll be polite. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. You definitely do the talking, Zeke. And uh, they kind of stand there awkwardly. Um, Percival tries to, like, dust off his, like, <laughs> clothes. And Jebediah, like, kind of cleans off his hands and is, like, kind of sitting there, like, wringing the rag nervously. It, it's best if you don't appear nervous. Right, right. Don't look nervous, Jebediah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, aye, aye, Captain. <laughs> and uh, the ship, a poor above, uh, like, graviton uh, spheres. Stops next to you guys, uh, and a side hatch opens up, and a walkway extends and latches onto the uh, deck of the Silver Spittoon. And um, uh, two soldiers step out in uh, Paldoran uh, military garb, uh, uh, which is like, you know, dark grays and navy blues. They step out and they're holding uh, rifles, and they kind of like look at you guys. Uh, you don't have like your weapons in hand or anything. So they, uh, uh, they kind of look over their shoulder and nod and, um, uh, Paldoran, uh, Farishta walks out, uh, and, um, he's, he's wearing a, a long, uh, high collared, uh, gray, uh, military coat, um, with a double breasted uniform underneath. Um, he's, uh, got goggles propped up on his forehead, uh, revealing his, uh, crystal blue eyes, um, uh, signature Paldoran crystal blue eyes. Uh, he's got a, a pistol strapped on to his hip. Um, and he has his arms, uh, behind his back. He's standing extremely, uh, uh, extremely with extremely good posture. And he walks out and he goes, yes, he was the captain of this vessel. Uh, Ezekiel Quaglin, um, sir. Uh, Ezekiel. Um, and he kind of looks you up and down and he's like, uh, where are you from, Ezekiel? Lieutenant First Class, uh, retired, formerly of, uh, Gen Z's Hammer, sir. Uh, when you say Gen Z's Hammer, you hear, like, Percival and Jebediah kind of, like, start and look at each other and look at you. <laughs> um, and the, uh, captain you're talking to seems to take note of that and looks back at you, uh, and goes, um, Lieutenant First Class, I am Lieutenant Commander Andalith Dorovin of Purity Aloft. Uh, pleasure to make your acquaintance. Likewise, sir. Um, is this your crew, then? Uh, we have uh, taken passage aboard this ship. Uh, I am 
member of uh, Team Jollypot in the Atroposian circuit. These are my teammates, and I gesture to Talia and Barnabas. Ah, uh, yes. We've had a few uh, teams coming through. It makes, uh, uh, that makes sense. You've come from old Paldors, then? Yes, sir. Well, that must have been difficult for you. Yes, sir. He nods and goes, well, um, uh, as you might expect, um, we do not have open doors on the Purity Aloft. Uh, one has to earn their keep. No, um, I do understand the regulations of the, uh, of the Atroposian circuit forbid you from paying for entry, yes? Correct. We are happy to barter whatever you may need to earn passage. Well, I don't believe uh, carrying on this vessel, and he kind of like runs a finger along one of the banisters and looks at like the dust uh, that's built up on it and like kind of like, you know, flicks it off his finger and goes, uh, you would have uh, much that we would be in need of, though uh, I presume uh, if you're uh, capable adventurers, as most who uh, enter the Atroposian circuit seem to be, um, you may be able to provide us a service in exchange for entry. Uh, we're happy to work, sir. Excellent. Down on the surface of the island, uh, the island of Jinzi below, we have been uh, probing at the core of the volcano to try and uh, see if we can make it uh, lay dormant, uh, making this uh, area a little bit more hospitable for our people. Uh, over the years, we've made a little bit of progress, um, but it does require that multiple science crews... Uh, stay on the surface for a prolonged period of time. Um, we've lost communication with one of those crews. Now, I actually sent uh, another team of uh, the Atroposian circuit a few days ago uh, to go and inspect uh, and report back uh, in exchange for entry, and I have yet to hear from them. So, I believe uh, it's about time I send another three, and I think that should be you three. What do you say? Uh, we accept the mission, sir. Excellent. The team before you, uh, was one Team Nightingale, I believe. Uh, I am not surprised you have not heard back from them. Yes, it seemed like, uh, ramshackle, uh, brigands, to say the least. Thought they could smooth talk their way into the purity aloft. <laughs> he, uh, he just grins ever so slightly. Now... Uh, they went to the island surface a few days ago, uh, never reported back, and I still don't know where my science crew is. So I would like you to go in uh, through the uh, facility in the center of the volcano shaft and attempt to find my science crew. Uh, you're searching for one Dr. Quintanella, uh, a seafaring Aodin who has been of a great service to us. Uh, affirmative, sir. We'll Easily recognizable her. from her red scales with black markings. This is simply entry for the three of you, yes? Uh, you two are no more than a taxi service, is uh, that correct? They have uh, no desire to enter the purity loft. And, like, they're, like, very, very rigidly, like, trying to, like, they can't quite make eye contact with Dorvin. They kind of, like, look at his chest and, like, they both shake their heads, like, no, 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 we're, we're uh, just dropping him off, sir. <laughs> In that case, uh, I presume you would be able to utilize a shuttle to the surface, yes? Absolutely, sir. Well, uh, if you collect your things and uh, um, get off this death trap of a vessel, uh, I can provide you with a... And at that, at that like, Gemini was like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can provide you with a shuttle down uh, from, my, uh, from my vessel here, the Pixis, uh, and you can uh, begin your mission and report back as soon as you find out uh, what's happened to my science crew. Uh, all right then, sir. Uh, we'll gather our things. Excellent, Lieutenant. And uh, he turns and uh, walks out 
uh, walks back across the board. Uh, the two guards kind of sit there, like, are watching Percival and Jebediah, who are just standing there like, well, I guess this is goodbye then. Jesus, you guys need to relax. You don't want to know what happened last time we were around a storm ship. I don't have to guess. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's help you uh, get your things. And they uh, help you guys collect all your stuff. And then uh, as you guys are getting ready to leave, uh, Percival uh, uh, was like, well, I uh, hope you enjoyed your stay aboard the Silver Spittoon. Uh, It's a lovely vessel. Thank you. Uh, And... Not many people can pilot it. Uh, uh, quite impressive, Zeke. And he like kneels down to shake your hand. All right, shake his hand. Thank you. Uh, and he goes, uh, Barnabas, shakes your hand. Yes, thank you for your hospitality and the ride. Uh, of course. Thank you for uh, re, uh, est- or reuniting me with my, uh, with my ride. And I suppose Jebediah. And Jebediah kind of grins. And then uh, Percival turns to you. Milady Nazari. Captain Blackwater. Uh, he extends his hand to take yours. I extend mine to, like, shake it. He, uh, turns it sideways and, uh, kisses you on the fingers and gives you a little bit of a bow. Uh, and he doesn't seem to do so mockingly. He seems to be trying to, you know, make you feel more comfortable. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and then he, uh, he backs up and Jebediah, uh, walks up and, uh, uh, puts his fist down to fist bump Zeke. I bump him. <laughs> uh, gives uh, gives um, Barnabas like a, a strong like hand clasp handshake. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> he grins and then uh, he turns to Talia and gives her a hug. No. <laughs> and he's like, "Take care of yourself." You too. Don't let this thing explode. Ah, wouldn't dream of it. Captain wouldn't let me live through that anyways. <laughs> uh, and um, he like steps back and kind of like. They both, like, wave you guys off as you step uh, aboard the Pixis. Uh, there you find uh, um, Captain Dorvin waiting for you. All right, just this way to the cargo hold. That's uh, where we will detach the uh, shuttle vessel, which you can use to glide down to the surface. Sounds good to me. I, uh, I assume you are uh, qualified to fly that class of vessel, uh, Lieutenant? Uh, yes, sir. I am braided on most vessels in the Paldoran military. Excellent. Right this way. And he, uh, he, with his arm still behind his back in the perfect posture, leads you guys down into the cargo hold of this vessel. And uh, there's a few crates in there. And sitting, uh, sitting kind of like in the center of it um, is a uh, kind of boxy um, shuttle uh, with like two kind of like, um, like sled legs almost uh, that like, you know, uh, hold it, hold, like are holding it off the ground. Um, it doesn't seem to have any wings or anything. Uh, and it has, uh, basically two seats in the front and two seats in the back. Um, and it will be a little cramped for Gerald. All right. We get in. And, uh, as you guys climb in, what's the seating arrangement here? Uh, I get into the pilot seat. Cool. Okay. And I'll go as far front as I can. As far front as you can? Yes. So you're in the back seat. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Because Ta- Talia took up the, uh, the co-pilot seat. So Barnabas is crammed in the, uh, in the back with Gerald. Gerald's got a little bit more space because Zeke was able to pull the chair really far <laughs> forward. And uh, uh, the, the captain sits there and he goes, here you go. And he reaches in through the, uh, uh, 
through the window next to you, Zeke, and hands you like a, a little like transceiver. He goes, should the uh, uh, science crew still be alive, you should be able to transfer, uh, give this to them so they can reestablish their transmissions to us. Affirmative, sir. Um, like I said, the, uh, the facility is built into the shaft of the volcano. All you need to do is um, uh, glide down there. You'll see the landing bay uh, clear as day. You can land and enter. Understood. All right. I'll see you when you've completed your mission, Lieutenant. Looking forward to it, sir. And uh, he steps off to the side in the hangar and presses a, a button, and uh, the uh, shuttle like shakes as the panel that it is sitting on tilts downwards, uh, pointing almost straight down at the uh, the um, uh, the island below you guys. Jagged, sharp black rocks pointing up towards you guys, and you are looking straight down, like strapped in basically to your chairs, uh, hanging straight down, and. Um, the captain presses another button, and uh, the latches that are holding your guys' shuttle in place uh, detach, and you <laughs> fall straight down. Yeah, I start piloting. Surprise, I mean, I, I don't know how you feel about this. I'm very calm. <laughs> uh, and as we're plummeting and I'm flying, I say to Talia, for a guy who seems so concerned with uh, protocol, he didn't run the pre-flight check. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and go ahead and roll dexterity for me that's an eight and uh talia uh your co-pilot hey. dexterity sure 12 uh zeke you uh uh it starts plummeting you press the button um and uh two uh like steel and canvas wings shrink uh like accordion their way out of the sides of this thing um catching the air and giving you guys like control. Um, and, uh, uh, Zeke, you realize that, um, uh, you haven't like adjusted your seat quite well enough and you can't quite get to the foot pedal. And so like, you're like busy adjusting your seat. You're like, ah, Talia, (laughs) Talia, can you, um, can you take us in? (laughs) Oh yes, sure. And, uh, Talia, he hands controls over to you while he's like sitting there fiddling with his chair, (laughs) which is difficult given the G's. These fucking new shuttles. Uh, Talia, you grab control of the thing and kind of like glide it in. And, uh, now, uh, by the time you're approaching the, you see the, the landing pad and you're approaching it and Zeke, you can take the controls back to stick the landing. Yeah, you do so. Go ahead and roll. 22. Okay. So Talia, you've, you know, taken control of this thing. You were plummeting a lot further than you can. It's actually like, there doesn't seem to be that much propulsion. This thing really is just gliding right now. Like Zeke didn't seem to turn on an engine or anything to give you guys any, like any thrust. Um, and so you're, you have like a general idea of what you're doing, but you're not quite sure how you're supposed to like not crash land right now. <laughs> uh, you have it on course and everything. And then like, you're like kind of sitting there, like trying to play it cool and you're like, all right, all right. Yeah, this is fine. Uh, the whole thing is like shaking as you guys are like flying downwards. And then, uh, Zeke finally finishes adjusting his seat and, uh, swap, uh, flips the switch to give himself back the controls and, uh, pulls the nose up, uh, uh, drops like the flap in the back that like, you know, gives it enough drag to slow down and whoosh, you guys kind of like slide in onto the, uh, uh, onto the landing pad smoothly. They really never did appreciate how many gnomes they had. These seats are, you have to fiddle with the settings. It's <laughs> frustrating. No, it's quite all right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you did quite well. Thank you. Um, as did you. 
Let's get out. <laughs> uh, you guys are on a metal uh, platform uh, built into the side of the volcano uh, that is the center of this island. Um, and there's a big, uh, like, uh, tall archway cut into it that you guys can walk into. Already, it is very hot. Gerald, I think you're going to have to stay here and guard the shuttle. I know, but it's very hot in there, and I'm afraid, no matter how exciting, um, you might melt. Okay, I shall miss you. Boo! <laughs> but I'll be back soon. Don't worry. Woo-boo! Also, if anybody from Team Nightingale shows up and tries to take our shuttle, stop them. Woo-woo! Okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you guys go walking in. The metal quickly gives way to stone, which quickly gives way to ceramic. Uh, uh, as you guys walk out onto a catwalk in the middle of a large cylindrical chasm um, built into this, uh, into this mountain. Uh, about... 30 feet in diameter, this chasm, at the very, very base of it, like very far down low, you can see the red glow of magma. Uh, and as soon as you walk in, the temperature gets turned up even more. It's, uh, it's super, super hot. And um, uh, this catwalk kind of snakes around the uh, walls of this cylindrical uh, shaft. Um, letting you guys walk down, but it's a pretty far way down. You do see that, like looking over the edge, you see that it ends at a natural uh, stone jutting into the uh, otherwise pretty much perfect cylinder, uh, creating a natural platform uh, with like a cave mouth. Um, that's where this catwalk ends, but it's going to take you guys a while to walk all the way around. Is there a way that we could perhaps go straight down um without dying <laughs> well like, you have your wings right so could i perhaps do a controlled descent with um with mr quaglin yeah yeah probably all right uh but you uh, barnabas would probably be a little too heavy for your wings to carry down in a controlled descent you might be able to do it but it would be a lot harder you'd plummet a lot faster right um i suppose we'll unless somebody has another idea I'm all for an elevator. <laughs> I do have my grappling hook. All right. Well, I'll spot you <laughs> as we go. Yes, that would be appreciated. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Zeke, I think you first. All right. So you grab Zeke and uh, you hop over the edge. And without much, uh, much to do, you kind of control your glide down uh, kind of powering with your wings, which aren't really designed to take any more weight than just you. There are updrafts. Um, but you, you know, you manage to like, you know, use a, exert enough thrust with your wings to, to control the descent and uh, you set Zeke down on that uh, jutting out rock. Um, and Barnabas has hooked his uh, grappling hook and is starting to climb down. Yes. All right. Uh, Barnabas, I need you to roll brute for me. I got a nine. All right, uh, so Barnabas, you start moving down. The heat's really getting to you, and you realize that you're, like, climbing straight down a shaft that's, like, probably, like, 40 feet at least before you can get to, like, that jutting out uh, uh, rock and uh, about, like, two tiers down on the winding um, uh, catwalk. Your your arms are starting to give way. Uh, yeah, Talia, you see that Barnabas is like... Struggling. Body is like shaking with the weight of it as he's trying to like climb down. His his old muscles aren't w quite what they used to be. All right. Um, I think I... I can't 
carry him, but maybe I'll sort of grab onto his shirt and sort of create like ballast. <laughs> make it make it a little less strain on his arms. Yes. Sure. And then uh, if he falls, then I'll try and keep him from dying. <laughs> all right, roll, roll, uh, roll, brute again, um, Barnabas, with a plus four. Nine. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> oh, no. uh, yeah, he's going down a little bit ways more. He gets down like another tier, and uh, and he his hands start to slip, and you have to kind of like shove him into one of the catwalks to keep him from falling to his death. Right, I do that. <laughs> Great reflexes, Miss Nazari. Are you all right? Yes, I am perfectly fine. Just not as young as I used to be. How many? Oh, back in the day, I probably could have climbed down this whole volcano on a rope. And then back up again. <laughs> but not down again, because I would be exhausted. Um, so how many more, like, circles are, are, they? are there? Uh, about four... Or five, uh, you basically have uh, like 25, 30 feet left. Let's keep going. Um, and Barnabas, you are now fatigued, mm. uh, which means your hit point maximum is reduced by half rounded down. And uh, yeah, uh, Barnabas, you, you finally get down to the bottom. Uh, you unhook your grappling hook. It falls back down to where you guys are. You're wrapping it up and you're very winded and your arms are burning. And it's not just because it's like a hundred and some degrees in here. All right. Onward. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What do you guys do? Um, There's a large cave mouth uh, on the spot where this jutting rock platform meets the wall of this cylindrical chasm. Okay. And this is as far as the circular. Yep. It okay. ends here. So I suppose we shall. Um... We don't know what happened to them, right? So perhaps we should sneak in. I agree. All right, let's let's um try to be quiet as we go. All right, everyone, roll sneaking. Twenty-two. Twenty-two for Barnabas. Uh, sixteen. Eleven. All right. Um, so you're moving in. Uh. The heat gets uh, gets more pressing um, as you guys enter in this uh, cave mouth, um, and you kind of like it's like a natural path that kind of like winds its way down and around a little bit, um, and uh, the whole time you hear like the of like the magma uh, is down below from the chasm you're leaving, and now apparently down where you're heading, uh, and then as you guys are sneaking, you will also hear uh, voices echoing upwards. Can we make out what they're saying? Not quite from where you are, but as you guys get closer, you can roll uh, notice to try and uh, figure out before you see. Yeah, I got a 20. 28? Oh. Okay, so both of you guys got tier three. What about you, Talia? I only got a tier two. All right, so Talia, you can hear the voices. Uh, Talia, you you feel like you recognize them. Uh, in fact, uh, the the one that seems to be a little bit louder um, you can uh, you can hear clearly, and it's uh, it's the voice of um, Ezra Keaton of uh, Team Nightingale, uh, shouting, "Look, I don't know what you're talking about, man. Just just don't kill me, please." And uh, Zeke and Barnabas, you hear the uh, quiet, calm retort of Augustus Lodge from Team uh, Fiddleworth, going, "Now listen here, I know." 
You took them. And I know you hid them away somewhere. All I want to know is where that is, and I won't have to kill you. Uh, and uh, you guys kind of get to the end where uh, you can see the red glow at the end of this like kind of tunnel you're walking through. And you get there, and you kind of peek around, and you see uh, this uh, basically this tunnel opens up, becoming a, uh, a like walkway effectively on the side of a like internal canyon inside this uh, uh, this uh, mountain. With a, a way, way, way down, like maybe 150 feet, there's a, a like kind of a, a slow flowing river of lava, um, and built across this uh, this kind of ravine uh, is another ceramic plat- uh, platform. Uh, and on that platform, you see uh, with his back to you, uh, Augustus Lodge, uh, kind of like down on his haunches <laughs> or uh, down on like you know kind of squatting down. Um, uh, over uh, Ezra Keaton, who is hanging upside down uh, by a rope uh, from the uh, like one of the handrails of the catwalk. Um, and uh, next to this scene, you see the two limp and restrained bodies of the other two members of Team Nightingale, uh, Galen Rockwell and... Gabriel Coot, uh, both of which seem to have been knocked unconscious, and only Ezra is conscious, currently hanging upside down, also restrained. Um, and uh, they, yeah, uh, Ezra shouts out again. He's like, "Listen, man, please, please, just get get me out of the situation. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about." And he goes, "Oh no, 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 we're not going to play that game now." And he pulls out a knife and uh, presses it against the rope, uh, and uh, doesn't make any motions or anything. But like Ezra, like shuts up. And he's like. Now listen, them paintings you stole, very, very valuable. And I don't think a street rat like you deserves that kind of money, do you? He slides the knife just slightly without really cutting it, but like just enough to scrape it against the, uh, against the, uh, the rope. And Ezra's like, please, 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 oh God, please don't kill me. Um, Mr. Gunsby. Yes. Would you cover me? I think I'm going to do something insane. <laughs> I'm going to try to sneak out onto the catwalk. Okay, are you trying to sneak up on Augustus? Yes, sort of. Sort of less to, like, shiv him in the back and more to get within a reasonable talking distance. Sure. Uh, your, your chances of approaching him unseen become very, very slim once you actually get on the catwalk, uh, just due to the nature, it's kind of narrow and like, you know, he's not like sitting like in a way that would make it so he wouldn't really have peripheral vision to that end of the catwalk that you're Mm -hmm. approaching from, but getting along the like stone walkway to where the catwalk begins, uh, you could definitely sneak without being noticed. Yeah. Basically as close as I can before I think he'll notice me, and then I'll say something. Okay, go ahead and roll sneaking. In the meantime, I'm laying down and getting uh, getting him in my sights. Okay, you adjust your scope, uh, and you're, uh, you're hanging out there. What about you, Zeke? What are you doing? I get real big, and I sneak with Talia. <laughs> <laughs> All right, roll sneaking. 12. 20. Okay. Uh, Zeke, you Hulk out, you get big, uh, and, um, uh, Talia, you start walking slowly, cautiously, uh, Zeke doing the same behind you, 
and uh, you manage to get to the catwalk before he notices you or anything. Okay. Hello, Mr. Lodge. Uh, he uh, he doesn't react uh, immediately. He kind of like sits there, taps his knife against the rope of uh, that's holding uh, Ezra, and Ezra's like whimpering, and he goes, "You just hold that thought there, fella." And he uh, he stands up and goes, "Ah, Lady Nazari." He, he doesn't put the knife away, but he's not, like, brandishing it or anything. He just casually stands up, and he uh, casually hooks his thumb uh, over the handle of his revolver at his hip. Good day. I'd say it's a mighty fine day, yeah. What brings you these here parts? It seems to get on to our next objective. We're, we've got to find some scientists. Mm. We've been told they're here. Oh, uh, yeah. They're back there. And he uh, gestures casually with the knife. And uh, behind him is what looks like probably a cave mouth that has caved in. Uh, and did you do that? Oh, little old me? Nah. Nah, I was like that when I got here. These three yahoos were trying to figure out a way through. And I got the drop on them. How can I help you? Okay. Please, please, don't let him kill me. Uh, you quiet down there, little fella. Uh, well... Seems um, we need to get to the other side of this catwalk and we need to achieve our goals. However, we're seemingly the white hats, the good guys, if you weren't. I'm not particularly comfortable with the inevitable demise of a person hanging over a well lava flow. Mm. I think we're at a bit of an impasse, really. I'll let you pass. You can go right in and save that science crew and uh, and go on to your next checkpoint if you like. I don't really have to kill you. By the way, where's your uh, where's your old fella? I see a uh, little man can get big. That's pretty interesting. Where's uh where's the rider? Oh, um, coming down the main shaft was a bit um exhausting. He didn't quite make it. All right, roll cunning to lie. Yes. Is uh, with people. It with people. All right. 15. All right, he seems to buy it. He uh, jaws his cigar over to the other side of his mouth and uh, goes, yeah, old timer's uh, fighting a little bit above his weight class, I think. Um, like I said, though, you can move on through. I take a step forward. He doesn't seem to react. All right. But you see, I can't really stand by and let you kill these men if I have a chance to stop it. And I think you understand that, don't you? What are you waiting for? Just shoot him, kill him, save me! Shush. Yeah, pipe down. <laughs> the adults are talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hell, I don't need to kill the kid neither if he just tells me what he knows. He's got something I want. And he's loath to give it up, it seems. And if I can convince him otherwise? He shrugs lazily and goes, I've been talking at him for nearly half an hour. You're more than welcome to have a try. You, tell, you get him to tell me where he stashed them paintings? I don't have to kill him. Surely don't have to kill you. You're not on my list. But we're on someone's list. Might be. Is there any way to encourage you to tell us who? It ain't likely. So there is a way. And uh, he kneels down and grabs Ezra by the belt buckle mm -hmm. and lifts him up, cutting the rope as he does, uh, setting him on the, uh, 
uh, on the catwalk and like kneeling down on his chest and uh, puts the knife to his throat and he goes, now don't try nothing stupid. Little lady wants to have a chat with you. So I will walk over and uh, lean down very close to um, Mr. Keaton's ear and sort of in a very low voice, so you can't hear, so Mr. Lodge can't hear me. I shall tell him, if you say where the paintings are, I'll give the signal and Mr. Gunsby will kill Mr. Lodge. But we need the distraction. Do you want to live? He very, very, like, uh, like subtly, like, nods his head a little bit, like, kind of more like a jerk. Mm-hmm. Uh, roll cunning. It's a ten. All right, that's tier two. Yeah, so he, he, like, kind of jerks his head in a nod and, like, lets out, like, a stuttering, sigh, like, sigh. Are you ready to tell the nice man where your things are, where his things are? Uh, stashed him in... And then I put my hand, hand over his mouth. <laughs> You're not going to kill them, Mr. Lodge. No, like I said, they can be someone else's problems. And you're going to tell me whose list we're on. He looks at you. You need this information more than I need to save this child. Uh, Roll cunning. 19. 19? Just short of a tier three. Yeah, you're with people? He, He raises an eyebrow and goes, let's hear what the kid has to say. I might not believe him. And if you do? He doesn't say anything. He's just sitting there looking at you. Let's hear what the kid has to say. Uh, you remove the hand. He's like, hey, look, I just, a Stashman Cogwin's Hollow. All right? Cogwin Hollow. It's in northern Evans. I know where it is, kid. <laughs> right. Uh, there's a, an old brick building on the corner of King's Row and o- Oasis. And, and uh, behind that in the alleyway, there's, there's a kind of hidden, locked up cellar door. Uh, it doesn't look like much, but that's where they're stashed. I swear, that's where they're stashed. He uh, sits there, ponders what the kid said for a second. He goes, you know what, kid? I believe you. And he smacks him over the head with the, butt, with the handle of his uh, knife. And uh, the kid, uh, Ezra goes out cold. And then uh, very swiftly, he spins the knife around and sheathes it in, his, uh, in, his, uh, in its sheath. And uh, stands up and kind of like hooks his uh, thumbs. I stand at the same time that he does. <laughs> uh, hooks his thumbs uh, behind his uh, belt buckle and goes, you might want to be on the lookout for Tank. And uh, uh, steps around you to leave. And uh, as he passes you, Zeke, he goes, you look good, big guy. And he like pats you on the elbow. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, and uh, he takes a couple more steps and sees Barnabas like, laying there prone in the little like mouth of that uh tunnel and he kind of stops there he grins pulls the cigar out of his mouth taps the ashes into the lava below (laughs) turns back and looks at talia and he has like a kind of a grin on his mouth he goes well i'll be damned and he uh he puts the uh cigar back in his mouth and and as he's passing by you uh uh he goes little lady pull one over on me (laughs) and he steps uh steps past you barnabas and heads out (laughs) (laughs) um all right 
Uh, I suppose we'll drag off the catwalk so they don't accidentally like roll over and kill themselves. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) You pull them, uh, pull them onto the, the rocky ledge or whatever. You pull them to somewhere safe where it's okay for them to lay. And, uh, then what? Then I start pulling rocks away from this cave in carefully. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Zeke, you very easily, uh, start moving rocks away. Go ahead and roll brute for me to, uh, uh, see how easily you do it. Six. Okay. Zeke, it takes you a while. There's uh, a lot of rocks here. Yeah. And, uh, and like every time you move one, like they like shift ominously and you're like, okay. And then you keep <laughs> going back to it. Uh, it does actually take you quite a while to clear the wreckage. Um, but, uh, uh, a lesser man would be, uh, uh, feeling the strain from this physical exertion in this heat. But, uh, you are no stranger to all sorts of types of, uh, of conditions, um, being well, whether it be in the burning engine room of a storm ship or in the cold air above like Siesh in the middle of winter, uh, you've seen it all. So you are, uh, you are not fatigued. And uh, it just takes you a long time. Uh, eventually, you finally break through and you hear voices on the other side, which like there's people like pulling rocks away on the other side. And they're like, hey, who's out there? Who's out there? Hi, I'm Zeke. Doravan sent us. Oh, oh, get, get the doctor. Get the doctor. Uh, 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 and then you like clear enough and you see like three uh, Paldorans, uh, two of which are human, one of which is uh, Seder. And... Uh, uh, coming up behind them uh, in, division, uh, in the view uh, is uh, an Aodin um, with uh, like bright red scales with black lines all along them um, and kind of like sharp, uh, intimidating uh, facial fins. Um, and her wings are like folded back behind her. And she goes, uh, you said Dr. Dorvin sent you? Uh, yeah. I'm supposed to give you this, and I hand her the radio. All right. Well, excellent. This will be able to give give our uh, uh, our signal boost, and we should be able to resume communications. Um, do us a favor. Clear the rest of this wreckage in case I need a, a shift change. But we're going to continue studying now. Or we're going to continue our work now, aren't we? And the other three who are there, are like, yes, ma'am. Yes. Uh, you didn't bring any rations with you, did you? We're famished. I pull from my secret stash of jerky, (laughs) (laughs) and I hand them some jerky. Thank you, thank you. And they like kind of split it up uh, evenly. And uh, uh, Doctor Quintanella like uh, Quintanella like rolls her eyes and is like, "Right, all right, you've got your food. Let's let's move on. Uh, Thank you uh, uh, for the rescue." And she like nods to you. I nod back curtly, and she leads her crew back down the tunnel. As you finish clearing it. Cool. <laughs> I suppose um, that's all. I get small for the trip back up. <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, I suppose we'll um, untie the um, Team Nightingale. What if we just put them in a position to where they could untie themselves, therefore delaying them a little bit longer? I'm all right with leaving them somewhere where they're safe and can free themselves when they eventually wake up. As long as you think Mr. Jollypot would be all right with that, I am as well. Well, we're not hurting them. We did save their lives. There's nothing in the rules that says we have to help them win. Participants are, in fact, encouraged to try to hinder their opponents. 
all right. <laughs> all right, you guys drag them back into the tunnel and loosen their bind, uh, their binds a little bit. Um, uh, you pull a knife out of one of their hand, like their sheaths and like stick it in their hands so that they can like wake up and cut themselves free, or you lay it nearby them so they don't roll over and stab themselves, whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> And, uh, yeah, you guys kind of set them in a position so that they're no longer at risk of rolling into a chasm of lava. Maybe you, like, leave them a bottle of water or something. <laughs> yes, definitely do that. And hope it doesn't evaporate before they wake up. Well, it would probably just recondense. I don't know. How does that work? <laughs> you ponder that as you... <laughs> as you. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not a scientist. Let's get I out know, of here. I know, I am. I should know these things. <laughs> Um, and you guys make your way back up. Yes. I take, um, Mr. Quaglin up to the top and then I run a rope down to, um, Mr. Gunsby and Gerald. I get big and help Gerald pull Gunsby up. Woo! And, uh, very quickly, uh, Barnabas Gunsby ascends. (laughs) 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 Uh, as you, uh, step out onto the, uh, landing pad on the side of the, um, uh, mountain, Barnabas, the, like, the fresh air, like, is, like, real nice for you. (laughs) You're, like, drenched in sweat, you're feeling it, um, but, like, that breeze is, like, heaven. Um, and as you guys get back in the shuttle and, uh, Zeke, you start to turn the engine on, uh, there's, like, come in, shuttlecraft, come in. Yeah, Picks this one reporting. Patching you through to Captain Dorbin now. Uh, shuttle, sh- uh, uh, Pixis one. This is Pixis proper. Yeah, Captain Dorbin, sir. This is uh, Ezekiel Quaglin, Team Jollypot. Uh, you should be hearing from your science team soon. Uh, yes, they've already made contact. Glad to hear it. Um, we're we're uh, rerouting our ship to uh, to retrieve you, and we can give you safe passage into the purity loft, as per our previous arrangement. Wonderful, sir. All right, picks us out. Picks this one out. Uh, and uh, you fire up the engine, and you start. Uh, this thing doesn't have a whole lot of lift, but it can like progress forward, and you can lift it up just a little bit to kind of circle your way up. Uh, it doesn't have a great uh, a great deal of vertical mobility uh, besides plummeting and, and gliding. Uh, but you start circling your way up to get uh, to a, a nice enough altitude, and you see the Pixis start to like pull down to your altitude, and uh, the bottom of it opens up, and you can try and dock. I dock. Go ahead and roll dexterity. Nine. <laughs> it's uh it's not a great landing. Um you uh you haven't coordinated with a ship of this size. I blame their pilot. Yeah, yeah, you haven't coordinated not to their face. <laughs> you haven't coordinated with a ship of this size for some time and uh whoever's behind the controls of this uh, uh of this ship seems a little rambunctious in their uh in their attempt to scoop you up. Um, and you weren't prepared for that. You were ready for like, you know, a standard, uh, if, if the captain was any indication, it was going to be very much by the book, but this was not by the book. They kind of like accelerate and like scoop you up and, uh, you, uh, you kind of like dent the, uh, uh, the front of the shuttlecraft as you, uh, dock in and it shuts up behind you. It's their shuttle. (laughs) Uh, and, uh, yeah, you guys, uh, exit and, um, Reconvene with the captain around the uh, around the same hallway that you guys had entered in on, and it's not much time before you guys make it uh, into the uh, into 
the purity aloft. You, uh, you're invited up onto the bridge so you can watch the approach. Uh, this is in fact like a floating city. It's like a gigantic, like capital city, um, floating in the air on like giant graviton, uh, uh, like repulsors. Um, and there's a very large, uh, uh, docking bay that, uh, you guys pull into. Um, and, uh, uh, Captain Dorvin seems to ride a touch tight ship. He's got a, uh, a young satyr, um, who is, uh, uh, who is, uh, behind the controls who seems, uh, you know, a little less orthodox. Um, but, uh, seems like the, do- the captain seems to let her get away with stuff. And she, uh, uh she docks. And she's like, all right, docking captain. <laughs> uh, uh, all, all the board is green. Uh, your, our passengers can now depart. And she like kind of grins and winks at you guys. Yeah. <laughs> we get off. If there's a moment with Darwin, I thank him and salute him and then we leave. Uh, he nods and, um, uh, he does present each one of you with a, uh, basically a temporary visitor's pass. It's like a little, it's a little badge that indicates that you guys have uh, limited access to the purity aloft for the duration of a few days. Right. Should you, uh, Look to uh, get those uh, uh, renewed. Uh, free, free to contact me or my superiors, and I can uh, I can see to extend your stay if need be. Thank you very much, sir. Oh, thank you. Uh, you uh, you completed your mission in uh, good time. Uh, he sees you guys off uh, and um, uh, goes down to the engine room, uh, and uh, you guys are now aboard the Purity Aloft. Uh, you walk your way out of this large hangar bay. It's filled with really nice airships. Like, Paldorans, no airships. <laughs> and uh, and these are all, like, state-of-the-art, uh, like, Aether, Graviton technology, uh, like, light, reflective um, uh, armor specifically geared to, like, uh, protect against ballistic fire as well as uh, Aodin Aether uh, weaponry. Um, and... Uh, uh, you guys uh, move your way past all these ships. Uh, uh, a couple people like nod at you and whatnot. You guys have like your your badges pinned to your chest, um, and uh, you get up uh, onto the surface out of the hangar bay. Um, and uh, the the city is very industrialized. Obviously, it's a ship, um, and it's uh, it's super grid based. Um, and your instructions are to uh, go to the cathedral of the uh, of the infernal church of Jinzi uh, to uh, check in with the representative of the court elite here. Yeah, I take us to the nearest transit. I mean, I assume it's not hard to figure out where it is. No, actually, this layout is very, very similar to Jinzi's hammer. <laughs> um, they were all designed by the same people at the same time. Uh, Cathedral's bigger on Jinzi's hammer. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, you guys, um, uh, you walk up. Uh, there's, like, there's no transaction fee to get uh, on the elevated train that circles uh, around the city. Um, the reason for this is, as you know, uh, Zeke, um, once you're aboard a storm ship, uh, you are assumed to uh, be there for good reason uh, and to be able to pull your weight um, doing the job that has been assigned to you, stuff like that. Um, and so they don't really have currency here. They, uh, they just simply are all expected to pull their weight. And if they're not, then they are exiled. Um, so you guys just kind of like step on the transit and uh, it moves along. And you get a nice little tour of the city as you go. Um, 
you pass by uh, uh, the industrial sector where they are actually crafting ships like what you saw on the hangar bay. Um, and it's actually multiple large facilities. You guys are elevated above it. And you see as like one facility finishes a part of an airship because like they're like rather large. It seems like all these different facilities build different parts of them. And then they're elevated up out of like the subterranean levels uh, up onto the surface. And then large crane arms start to put these uh, manufactured pieces together. Um, there's people like with like jetpacks and stuff floating around, like uh, attaching stuff. And like you actually guys, you, you managed to see uh, a graviton sphere out of its like containment being raised up and fixed onto the base of a ship. Oh, can we stop and look at that as it goes by? <laughs> yeah, the trains do not stop for tourists. Oh, but it's so pretty. <laughs> and uh, uh, you um, continue on. Uh, you pass by a bunch of residential areas. Um, they are all uh, very, very like uniform in their size and shape. Uh, you also notice that everyone walks around in uniform. You guys kind of stand out um, in that sense. Uh, but you do have the vi- like the basically the visitor badges, so people like don't stare at you and look like confused. They assume you earned your path in here. Um, but like uh, uh, you still are, you do you do still kind of stand out because everyone is like almost labeled with what they're supposed to be doing, like you know, like engineer and and like you know, hospitality and stuff like that. Um, and uh, eventually, uh, the um, uh, eventually the uh, train. Uh, winds in a little more centrally located and opens up and you see the large, uh, uh, very, very impressive black iron uh, steepled cathedral of the Infernal Church of Jinzi. Um, and uh, the train comes to stops like, now arriving at Jinzi's Row. Yeah, we get off and head towards the cathedral. Cool. And as we're walking, I tell Talia, like, they probably like you on a storm ship. They, you could work with all the stuff you like, and they have great facilities. There's no servants though, so there's that. Well, I'm sure other people make food, right? They make food. He says with air quotes. <laughs> hmm. Well. But you do have to go to the cafeteria and get it yourself. Well, food is food. I'm sure it's lovely. No, but <laughs> it's nice of you to say that. <laughs> uh, you guys make it up to the uh, cathedral, and uh, uh, you open up the large uh, double doors leading in. Um, whatever the Gen Z equivalent of like a Catholic who hasn't been to church in a really long time crossing themselves when they walk into a church, I do that. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, you... Uh, you press your fist to your heart, and as you step into the threshold, you kneel down on one knee and, and like, tilt your head, like, uh, straight down, and you sit there for, like, a good second, and then you stand up. And you guys continue in. And the in, if the outside of this uh, cathedral was uh, uh, extravagant, the inside is even more so. Uh, large, tall... Um, uh, stained glass windows line all around it, uh, making this like kaleidoscope effect of light uh, all along uh, over the uh, uh, the pews, um, and the uh, the pews line up uh, all the way to uh, where the um, the pulpit 
is, but the pulpit is elevated, like really high up. And, uh, it's, it's this like really intricate, um, uh, statue stonework, uh, depicting all of these people holding each other up, like, you know, like not in a, in a really unified way, kind of like almost like a mad scramble of bodies all holding each other up until you get to the very, very top where one strong person is holding the pulpit, uh, up for the, uh, priest to give a sermon and, uh, large organ tubes, uh, line the wall behind the pulpit. Uh, and the, uh, the ceiling is super steepled, uh, with, um, beautiful, like gold and steel, uh, uh, a, a beautiful gold and steel mosaic showing uh, Jinzi flying with wings spread out, uh, uh, made of fire, uh, smiting um, non-believers, basically. <laughs> and uh, there doesn't seem to be anybody there. And every footstep you make echoes really, really uh, loudly in the hall. Hello? 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 We're with the Atroposian Circuit. Circuit, circuit. Um, there's a brief pause and then uh all those stained glass windows that go from like basically floor to ceiling uh up several stories um in between each of those there's kind of these like stone you know the stone like structure that makes them up and one of the one of those areas between the two windows opens up revealing a uh, a door that wouldn't really be noticeable otherwise. Um, and an archon of the church of Zinzi walks in. Um, he's wearing uh, black and red robes, and he has these metal rings that make a uh, tapering collar up to his jawline uh, from his collarbone. Um, just these like steel rings that like leave no room for him to like really like move his head down. Uh, he's uh, actually made to keep his chin just slightly elevated. Um, and he walks in, uh, and you can hear like the chains inside his robes, like rattling, uh, and he turns and he, uh, he sees you and he sees you, Talia, Mm -hmm. and he kind of scowls and then, uh, he makes eye contact with, uh, with Zeke and he goes, Atroposian circuit? Yes. Wait here. And he kind of glares at Talia again. And then turns and walks back into the uh, the door that he came from. Do I have something on my face? Um, the Infernal Church of Jinzi's official stance on Farishta is that they are abominations. Sorry, what? He said that the <laughs> official <laughs> stance on Farishtas is that they are abominations. Abominations, abominations, abominations. Ah. They, they sort of have a thing against uh, winged folk claiming that they are uh, gods. Well, I don't have any wings. It's an institutional thing. It kind of just, it's, um, you've never had to deal with, like, racial prejudice ever, have you? Of course. Um, you know, people don't understand what it's like to be us. Okay. Uh, Uh, another door opens up, and, uh... Walking into the giant hall uh, is a uh, tall human gentleman, pale white skin, pencil black mustache, black coattails, and a a tightly knotted ascot. It's Duncanfurter, exactly as you've seen him before. Uh, And he walks in and he goes, 
Ah, hello. I'm Duncan Furder. To whom do I have the pleasure of meeting? Wait. Meeting? Yes, of course. You are members of the Atroposian circuit, no? That's correct. You're Duncan Furder? <laughs> yes, I'm Duncan Furder, like I said. And who was in Fallian? Oh, that would be Duncan Furder. And in Dayan? Duncan, Duncan Furder. Yes, of course. Thank you, sir. Who are you? Barnabas Gunsby, leader Barnabas. of Team Jollypot. Ah, yes, yes. Team Jollypot. I see, I see. And he, uh, he produces a clipboard and he goes, Oh, well, let me just check you in here. Now, uh, I presume you'd like to know the uh, current standings of the race? Yes, please. Excellent. Um, just so you know, in case uh, you were not informed before, any team names that are listed after your own... Oh, are... you told me this already. No. This... What, on, the, on the radio? Oh, that wasn't me. That was Duncan Furder. Oh. Anyways, uh, so you've been informed <laughs> then that any names uh, listed after you are merely speculative and not set in stone. Excellent. Let us proceed. Uh, in first place, there is, of course, Team Cornfoot. And then... Second place, Team Towley. In third place, Team Basington. In fourth place, Team Holmes. In fifth place, Team Cups. And then in sixth place, Team Jollypot, he writes down. And beyond that, there's Team Nightingale, Team Odlin, Team Torchinovich, Team Silver, Team Adams... And strangely enough, Team Fittleworth has yet to check in at Felion. Oh, um, I don't think they're going to. Oh, and uh, what do you base this presumption on? Oh, um, we saw Mr Lodge in the volcano. Uh, I don't think their objective is to check in. I think oh. their objective is to be the last people standing. <laughs> I don't quite follow. Uh, you can't win the race unless you check in. He did insinuate that his team's goal was to kill everyone else and then just win by default. I see. Well, of course, any accusation of cheating must be taken extremely seriously. I will conduct an investigation into this myself. <laughs> you alone? Yes, of course. And not... Not the, uh... <laughs> Not your brother. Uh, my who? Your brother? My brother? One of your brothers? I don't have a brother. What? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, I will conduct an investigation, and of course, if any evidence of cheating is found, uh, they will be dealt with appropriately. Now, if there's nothing else you need from me, um, I can see uh, by your visitor's badge you have a few days... Uh, in which you can uh, stay here at the Purity Aloft and rest. Um, and uh, uh, good luck in the race to come. Thank and you, Mr. Duncan Furter. Thank you. You're very welcome. And he, uh, he walks out. All right, Mr. Gunsby, you cannot tell them apart. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course. It's all, the in it's all in the inflection. Use Duncan Furter. Last one was Duncan Furter. Before that, Duncan Furter. I, you're saying the same name. They're yes, no, they're similar names. No, <laughs> <laughs> I 
you're a writer. You should know this. <laughs> exactly. I'm a writer. I can differentiate between them. I, I, I It I makes can. sense. Here, I'll show you. And he writes them all down. They're all spelled the same. <laughs> See? Oh, it's like if I was saying, I'm Mr. Gunsby. And then said, you're Mr. Gunsby. No, you're just saying the same thing. <laughs> you guys argue about this as you I leave. Um, <laughs> at this point, it's actually uh, it's actually uh, well into the evening. It was dark when you guys arrived at the church, um, and so uh, so the sun is is well set at this point. So I think we should rest here for the evening, but I think we should check sort of the departures first. And I know that we've got days to rest, but perhaps we could catch up. I agree. Yeah, your guys' next checkpoint is a little uh, northwest of here. Actually, more west than north. Um, it is in the uh, Druidic country of Valdru, which is a uh, country of uh, gnomes. Um, and uh, it is at its capital of Ethengroud, uh, which uh, is right on the coast of Valdru. Um by flight, it wouldn't take you guys too long to get there. Maybe a little over a day of transit, and uh, yeah, you, uh, that would be that would be the way to go next. And uh, airship would definitely be the way to do it um, because they don't really have uh, boat ports anywhere on on Jinzi. It's mostly just airships. Yeah, that's a good idea. I we should go check departures. I bet we can get on a flight. It shouldn't be too much trouble as long mm. as we're willing to work on it. And uh, you guys hop back on the uh, uh, on the train and go towards uh, one of the uh, like the basically the uh, all of the uh, the transit uh, the transit district um, where there's several uh, several like airports um, around and uh, you guys walk into one of the more accessible ones and uh, there's a uh, Paldoran human um, behind a, a grate um, with a uh, uh, a bunch of uh, like um, shelves behind her with different, you know, packages and stuff, uh, as well as like a bunch of keys hanging. And also, you see like hanging around her is a bunch of uh, a bunch of like receivers, uh, like that she can like reach up and pull down on like uh, on cords and then snap them back up. Um, and as you guys walk in, she's has one down and she's like, she's like, all right, you're set for departure. Uh, we'll uh, safe flights. And then she presses a button on her console and lets go, and it goes back up to the top. Uh, and she looks at you and goes, Hey, how can I help you? Hi. Uh, we're with the Anthroposian circuit. We're looking to secure passage on an airship to Valdru. Uh, I can fly any of these. She's a talented engineer. <laughs> He's physically capable. All right. Um, uh, where in Valdru are you intending to... Uh, 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 the capital. The capital. All right. Ethan Groud. And she uh, rustles around uh, in her desk and pulls out some papers. And she goes, and uh, when would you like to depart? Preferably early tomorrow. As soon as possible. Tomorrow. Really. All right. And she uh, uh, puts some papers off to the side, looks through a few, and he goes, all right. Um, you, uh, did, did you serve? I did. Uh, uh, purity aloft? I don't recognize you. Uh, Gen Z's hammer. Ah. And she uh, uh, puts a couple more papers off to the side and then... Uh, all right, looks like I have uh, a transport vessel, a large cargo hauler, uh, departing from this dock um, uh, tomorrow morning at 0400 shop. Works for us. When do you need us to report? You will have to be on deck at no later than 
0330. Can do. And uh, she pulls out some papers. Kachunk stamps one. Kachunk stamps the other. Shuffles a couple papers. Kachunk stamps the third. She goes, here's your assignments. Present these to the captain or whoever's uh, uh, on station here in the morning. And uh, you should be allowed admittance uh, to, uh, uh, to work on the ship and reach your destination. Thank you very much. Uh, Zeke, yours says, um, uh, like backup co-pilot basically. Um, uh, Talia, yours says, uh, you know, fourth class engineer. Um, and, uh, Barnabas, yours says, uh, janitor. Oh, yes. I will make this the cleanest ship in the fleet. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and, uh, you guys head out, um, and hop back in the, uh, in the train. Uh, it seems like these trains run like clockwork. It's like every 10 minutes they stop, make a stop. Every time that we go past the graviton orbs, I'm like glued to the window. Yeah. Uh, over the course of time that, uh, this is, uh, you've passed it, you've passed it now. This is your third time passing it. Um, and you've been watching as they've made more and more progress, putting the ship together. What started as about like... 12 different pieces of a large airship uh, that were slowly being put uh, like put into position to be like attached together um, and then like you know you, like with the, like graviton sphere being like lifted up into one of the pieces um, has now basically almost been crafted into co- a completely finished airship um, it now is like it seems like they're like testing some of the flight maneuvers on it this late in the evening uh, they seem to have uh, put it together extremely quickly once they had all the uh, the pieces done um, and, uh, it seems like it's a couple classes above the, uh, the Pixis that you guys saw. This one's kind of almost like a warship. Mm. Um, and, uh, you guys, uh, go to the housing districts, um, and you check in at one of the mini, um, dormitories. Um, again, they don't seem to like take any payment. They don't really ask you that many questions. They just like ask you like how many? Yeah. Three of us plus the automaton. All right. Uh, two rooms it is. And uh, they hand you uh, each uh, keys uh, to go in. And uh, this isn't really like prison cell sized rooms, but it's not very roomy. Uh, They're bunk beds uh, and uh, there's a a communal uh, restroom on each floor. Um, You guys go up to to, like the sixth floor. Um, Each floor has its own communal restroom with uh with showers and uh and um uh all the uh toiletry amenities you would need uh with nothing too fancy um and each room is just a set of bunk beds and like two writing desks and like that's it um i look in my room and i'm like uh where's the restroom yeah it's uh did they forget to build it down the hall that way yeah, it's a communal restroom. Showers are there and all Sorry, the toiletries um, you might need. What do you mean communal? <laughs> <laughs> Barnabas walked by in a towel. <laughs> um, shared? So, we it, it, like, you go in and you lock it and you spend your time in there and then, like, you leave and then someone else <laughs> goes in. No, Miss Nazari, it's a bonding experience. With whom? That's that. That sounds perverted. <gasps> it's only natural. <laughs> I... Why we're born naked, aren't we? <laughs> and then he walks what? off to the table. <laughs> sure. No, it's just it's a communal bathroom. S- so everybody's just naked and 
I mean, if they're showering, yeah. In front of everyone. Yeah. Ah. Uh. <laughs> You're on. I know this seems like a city. This is a warship. Everyone here is in the military. All right. Um, good night. <laughs> <laughs> and I laugh my way all the way back to my room with Barnabas. <laughs> all right. Um. We really pulled that off, didn't we? uh so uh yeah whoever showers um you guys get nice and clean it is you know shared so there's other people in there showering and using the restroom yeah i take a quick shower cool i also i also get in all right right Zeke's, zeke's in there uh mr quaglin it's refreshing isn't it it's kind of the first shower you guys have gotten yeah it's I never was, like, super fond of these, but, man, hot water is nice. Oh, yes. I don't sleep very well and keep going to check when the bathroom is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, um... Every 15 minutes. <laughs> uh, about, like, as you guys are finishing up, you hear, uh, Lights out in five! Lights out in five! And as you guys make your way back into your, uh, in your dorms, uh... Uh, Zeke and Barnabas in one room and uh, Talia and Gerald in the other. Uh, about five minutes later, you hear lights off, lights off. And then uh, you're choo, 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 and uh, everything goes dark and like a very, very dim, like uh, security lighting goes like, and like makes it so that it's not completely pitch black and, uh, and everyone settles into sleep. I glow. <laughs> <laughs> and I go down the hallway. And take a shower. Okay. <laughs> and then I come back. Roll sneaking for me. Okay. Uh, Thirteen. So uh, yeah, you sneak by. No one seems to mark you as you uh, as you make your way in, and you slowly, quietly close the door behind you, and uh, <laughs> you set your like messenger sphere as like a doorstop, <laughs> uh, and then you very quietly take a quick shower. <laughs> yes. And then I go back to bed <laughs> and sleep for like two hours. <laughs> yep. And then uh, at um, 0300 sharp, lights on, day begins, lights on, day begins, ching, 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 ching. All the lights turn brightly on. I get up and I mean, I assume Barnabas can handle getting ready. I go check on Talia, who I'm sure has had the most culture shock of anyone today. <laughs> cool. I knock on the door. Uh, Gerald, get the door. Whoop, whoop. Ka-chink. Hi, Gerald. Woo! Sure. (laughs) (laughs) He steps out of the way. Um, Talia, it's, uh, it's time to go. Oh, right. Okay, all right. Um, be up in a jiff. (sighs) She doesn't move. (laughs) Um, we are, they, they will leave without us. And then it will be much harder to get an airship. All right. Yes. Sorry. All right. I'm up. Really. I sit up. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Quaglin. You're welcome. How'd you sleep? Um, well, it's better than ca- camping. So there's that. Better than the rafts, really. It's a bed. That is an accurate assessment of sleeping on a storm ship. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, ready to go. <laughs> and we make our way to the airport. Okay. Uh, we fetch Barnabas. 
Right. Who's <laughs> ready? I made coffee. How? A good adventurer always has a French press ready. Really? Okay. You don't have a French press coffee. in your adventure? Yet? <laughs> uh, Talia, you drink some of the coffee. It's real good coffee. And it, it's a good pick-me-up. Uh, um, a little stronger than most coffee you've had. You might be just slightly wired. Um, I like it. And, um, yeah, you guys uh, make your way to the airport. Uh, you check in. They take your passes, stamp them again, and hand them back to you to give to the captain. Uh, and you guys are greeted by Captain Alexandra Stallworth. She is an elf, uh, and uh, she uh, greets you guys. Um, she has, like, a large, like, sniper rifle slung over her shoulder, um, and, uh, and uh, she greets you and goes, All right, passes, please. You hand them up. All right, let's look here. All right, I assume you know your way, she says to you, Zeke. Yes, ma'am. Um, hmm. Uh, engineer? Yes. Right. And she looks at the automaton uh, and, like, your wings and goes, all right. Uh, is that your assistant? Yes. Excellent. Uh, you two, uh, down that way to, uh, uh, you know, to the after the ship, uh, you'll, you'll see the maintenance hatch. You climb on down there, and uh, you can find the engine room easily enough. And um, first, engineer, engineer Hinzi will uh, uh, see, uh, see to your assignments. And uh, he, she takes Barnabas's pass. Barnabas Gunsby, reporting for custodial duty. And he gives a very, very sharp salute back from his uh, Hurricane War days. <laughs> she kind of like chuckles, hands you back your, uh, your paper, um, whistles, and um, a deckhand like comes by and uh, hands you a mop. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is time to, to fight the war on grime. <laughs> she doesn't respond and uh and uh I goes all right well that, uh, that should be about it uh, uh pull away the gangplank and uh we'll we'll make ready our departure and uh one of the uh one of the crew members does that and she walks off uh zeke you uh you find your way to the pilot's nest uh no problem uh this is just a large shipping barge it's not a military vessel it is purely just like commercial transport um and uh it's huge it's like the size of like a giant whale um and um uh, you, you know, you're shown your, your area. You basically just have to like hang out in like a, a little like room and like play cards with the other like pilots and stuff. Unless, uh, someone wants to take like a piss break and then you take over the controls. These things fly themselves. <laughs> um, uh, Talia, you get down there uh, and you see that this thing, uh, it is, you know, it runs a very long length. Uh, this whole engineering bay takes up the whole bottom part of the, uh, of the ship, mm -hmm. um, with just a little bit of metal between you and the sky. Um, and you see just like rows of graviton orbs, uh, just like lining up, like maybe like 15 feet in between each of them, uh, on either side of you. And, um, uh, fat human, uh, Paldoran, uh, sees you and goes, all right, what's your name then? Talia Nazari reporting for duty. Right. All right. Let me, let me see, uh, uh, let me, let me see your, there your you pant. Yep. My pass. All right. Let's see. And he kind of looks at it and like squints. He's like, all right. Yeah. Um, you ever worked with Graviton Spears before? Yes. Right. Well, hop to. Uh, you're just here for assessment. You let me know if any of them act up. Someone else will handle them. 
Oh, all right. Is there a checklist? And he points over your shoulder, and there's a, there's a bunch of clipboards, like, hanging on pegs. Oh, that's exciting. I start working. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, energetically, you start flitting from uh, sphere to sphere, and uh, roll science for me. Um, and uh, Zeke, go ahead and roll dexterity for me for the couple times that you are at the helm. Can I roll cunning for how well I do at cards? Sure. Yeah, you can roll that too, but roll dexterity first. And uh, Barnabas? Yes. Roll spirit for me. (laughs) 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 Uh, It's a 10 on dexterity. It's an 8 on cunning. Uh, A 10 on dexterity? All right. So, yeah. I mean, this thing basically flies itself. You just occasionally have to, like, adjust the heading. You only take the the helm for, like, like I said, the trip is about, like, a little over a day. You basically only take the controls for about two hours total over the course of the entire journey, just occasionally when people are like are taking breaks and you're like the one whose turn it is to step up. And uh, Talia, what'd you get on your science? 26. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, Talia, you actually, uh, you move from uh, fourth class engineer to second class engineer very quickly. Um, you get a promotion from the head engineer um, when uh, you notice uh, some problems and he sends someone to go fix it. And then like while you're like doing your checklist, you see that person struggling with something that's pretty simple. Um, it's just like the, you know, the rotational uh, energy of the graviton sphere uh, was just a little, uh, had a little bit of fluctuation and they're like having trouble like applying the, uh, uh, the energy needed to get it back in order. Um, and they like, they're about to like tag the thing for, uh, for service. And you're, you just kind of reach in and like fuck with a couple things and, uh, and produce some tools of your own making and, uh, you get it working again. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, you get, you get promoted and you start actually just working maintenance. Now someone's handing you their checklist of stuff that needs to be checked out and you're going and checking them oh, out. Oh, this is very exciting. <laughs> And uh, uh, Zeke, you said how much on your cunning? An eight. An eight. All right, you lose. You lose some uh, jokes on them. I don't have money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're they're actually uh, what they're doing is they're playing for uh, for odd jobs uh, on the deck, like random, like boring checklist type stuff, like not piloting, but like all right, someone needs to like you know do the like system check on the like navigation. Someone needs to, you know, sure. take the, uh, like someone needs to take the chamber pot and like pour it over the edge. And like, you have to do that. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of fun pouring a chamber pot off an airship. <laughs> Who knows what's down there? <laughs> um, and, uh, Barnabas, what'd you get on your spirit? Would you believe me if I told you 33? <laughs> 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 Man, I should have been a janitor. She's a real spirit. Uh, but, all right. So, <laughs> Barnabas, this is like I said, a day, uh, a little bit over a day's journey. Uh, there's a couple other janitors besides you. Uh, there's about four of you, and uh, you, uh, you're, um, you notice that they're not really doing a great job. Uh, they're just kind of like pushing the mop around. They're not even cleaning the mop and stuff like that. And you basically like amp them up and get them going. <laughs> you, you give them an inspirational speech. What do you say to them? My, my, my. Some rather sloppy work you're doing, if I may. You see, this might not be the most glorious job on the ship, but it's a very important one. You don't want to walk through dirty halls. 
and touch dirty things. Now put your back into it and let's fight the war on grime. (laughs) Somehow it works and they actually start working a little harder. And basically because every time they do something well, you give them like genuinely enthusiastic praise. Uh, (laughs) Chill, old chap. <laughs> and they and they like start to like get into it, and uh, uh, at a certain point, the uh, uh, you're like, you know, you're ringing out one of the mops over the edge of the ship, and um, uh, you see the captain uh, walk by and like stop and like look down at her feet, and she like looks around. And it's like she sees the like shine of the handrails around the side. She sees how like most of the grime is like taken off of the, uh, off of the deck. Uh, she sees that the cargo containers are, have been polished <laughs> and she looks around and she's like, what the hell? And then keeps walking. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, um, uh, Zeke, when you go to dump the chamber pot, you realize this is the cleanest airship you've ever been on. <laughs> wow. It's the cleanest commercial airship I've ever been on. Yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Um, and then, uh, after a little bit over a day's time, uh, you guys, uh, you know, land ho, uh, you guys start your descent towards Ethingrowd, the capital of Valdru. Um, now as you guys approach it, you realize that, uh, the, the ship has to dip into the water, um, and, uh, like submerge its bottom half of its hole in water. Uh, to basically line up with uh, standard, like, wooden docks that uh, make up the port of Valdru. Um, There's uh, a couple airship docks, but it seems like very small um, ships made from, like, organic materials like wood and canvas and stuff like that uh, seem to be the ones who are docking at this, like, uh, this airship dock on the uh, the coast. Um, You kind of, like, as you guys are, like, getting your things and you climb up onto the, uh, uh, onto the deck and, like, see as you guys approach, um, there's a very large wall that makes the length of this coast. Um, it's got a, it's, like, a good, like, like, 200 yards away from the coast, making plenty of room for, like, some like buildings made uh, be, to be made and everything seems to be made with organic materials. You see like no industrialization or you rather do see some industrialization, but not in the way that you think or that you would normally think. Uh, it's, uh, it's like you see machinery, you see, uh, you see like, um, airships and stuff, but none of them are made with like steel or any like forged metals. Uh, it's all seen to be made with, uh, with like wood and stuff that has somehow been shaped and made into like gears and cogworks and stuff. Um, actually as you guys land, um, uh, there's a, there's a, a person on the deck who's basically in a large, he's a gnome and he's in a large, like, almost a story tall, uh, suit made of like wood and stone, um, that, uh, like extend, like he is using to like reach up onto the ship and grab the giant cargo containers with these like pincer like hands and like lifts them up and like moves it towards the uh, shore. Um, and this, this contraption he's in is like kind of glowing with some, uh, some light. Um, but like, uh, uh, doesn't seem to be like powered by anything like steam or anything like that. Um, and uh, he, like, sets it down and continues going. And you guys uh, collect your stuff. The, the captain 
kind of like from like her upper portion, like down the ways a bit, um, checking some, some stuff off on the manifest, like looks and sees you three and kind of like gives you like a little, like a salute wave type thing. Uh, and, um, you guys can step down onto the docks of Valdru. I am very excited to see everything here. Yeah. Tons of gnomes. Um, and all the buildings that kind of line up along this large, uh, wall made out of these like kind of logs that are, uh, sharpened to a point at the top, um, with ca- occasional watchtowers. Um, all of the buildings, um, along that wall, uh, are also made out of logs and, uh, uh, you know, um, it also looks like they're not, some of them are housing, but there's tons of people who just seem to be camping out. Uh, on like the grassy fields and like sand and like nice like white sand uh, shores of the uh, of the area, um, and uh, you do see down a ways uh, very very large like gates going and letting some people in and going and closing again. Um, and you guys are instructed to go to the visitor center um, in your uh, in your notes given to you by Jolly Pot. Well, I don't know about you all, but I had a fantastic day. I got promoted two levels um, and I got to work on all these graviton spheres and teach people how to do things better. And really, it was quite fun. I don't know why people complain about working. (laughs) I did my old job, but worse. (laughs) I don't know if you've noticed, but that's the cleanest that ship's been for years, I'm sure. Was that you? Good God, that was the cleanest airship I've flown since I got out of the military. <laughs> yes, it It was also the rest of the crew. Well done, Mr. Gunsby. But we all worked together and accomplished our goal. <laughs> Good job. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, you guys uh, get to the visitor center. It's a large one-story log cabin, basically. Um, and uh, uh, Talia and Barnabas, you both kind of have to duck just slightly to get through the door. Um, it's not like a gnome-sized door, but it's, you know, not perfectly sized for people of your height, especially you, Talia. You have to duck a bit more. <laughs> um, and uh, you guys get in, but there's still enough clearance so that, Talia, your hair is just almost barely grazing the roof. Um, uh, and Gerald is definitely like, he's like lowered his head down into his shoulders. <laughs> he's like, <"Whoa." laughs> um, and, uh, and the, the, a uh, person behind the ca- uh, behind the desk uh, looks up and goes, "Hey, yes, how may I serve you?" And uh, he he uh, uh, he's a little gnome, and he kind of looks at Gerald with concerned eyes and your wings, Talia, with like equally uh, equal like kind of nervousness. And then he sees you, Zeke, and he just kind of focuses in on that. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, we're um, we're Team Jollypot with the Atroposian Circuit. Oh, Atroposian Circuit, yes, yes. Um. Uh, your representative is uh, down uh, down that hole uh, at the end. Thank you very much. He goes, yes, it, just w- watch your head, he says uh, to, <laughs> <laughs> to Talia and kind of to Gerald. <laughs> Thank you. I will. <laughs> <laughs> he starts when Gerald makes noise. Uh, and, uh, yeah, you guys uh, have to duck down to get into the hallway. Um, and uh, you walk a bit, and there's, a, a, like, basically a beaded curtain uh, at the end of the hall. 
This is a little known fact, but Gerald can actually convert to quadrupedal. <laughs> he transforms into like his uh, his fingers soak in, uh, making it so that his uh, his hands stop on uh, on like flat surfaces similar to how his feet do. Uh, and he like bends down and, uh, with his arms and legs being the same length, cause they're both made from leg model material. <laughs> uh, uh, he, uh, he kind of like is able to like, kind of like walk his way through the hall on all fours and his head, uh, kind of like moves back on a, on a track, making it so it's poking out of the back of like his shoulder blades. <laughs> <laughs> That's new. He's like, <laughs> I don't understand you. <laughs> Uh, and you guys pass through the beaded curtain at the end, um, and, uh, sitting behind a desk that's just a little small for him, uh, uh, but in a room that, you know, is more or less an appropriate size, you guys kind of have to cram in to fit, uh, is Duncan Furter. Same pencil mustache, same pale skin, uh, same expression when he sees you as he goes, Oh, hello, uh, and you are? Barnabas Gunsby. Wait, no. <laughs> Who are you? I'm Duncan Furder. Right. Nice okay. to meet you, Duncan Furder. A pleasure to meet you too, sir. I need no, we we've met. My, I'm afraid we haven't. I have met four Duncan Furders now. <laughs> oh, you have me confused with the Duncan Furder and uh, Purity Aloft. <laughs> <laughs> Zeke's face contorts with confusion. I didn't. Mm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Somebody else talk. <laughs> right. You said Team Jollypod, yes? Yeah. Yes. Excellent. Well, let me go ahead and check you in. And he writes something down uh, on a pad of paper. And he goes, Now, I suppose you'd like to know the standings of the race as they are. <laughs> Simply making polite conversation. Thank I'm sorry. Thank you. I appreciate the pomp and circumstance. <laughs> I've never met Mr. Duncan Furter before. I'm going to slug he you in your know. face. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can tell tensions are high. I understand it's very stressful, this race. Um, now, in first place, we have Team Cornfoot. In second place, Team Basington. How? <laughs> I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. <laughs> I'm sure I don't know what you mean. In third place, Team Towley. In fourth place, Team Holmes. In fifth place, just before you, Team Cups. In sixth place, you, Team Jollypot. And of course... In case you haven't been informed, every name that follows you now yeah, on the list no, is... No, we get it. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> uh, presumably in seventh place is Team Odlin, and then Team Adams, Team Nightingale, Team Torchinovich, Team Silver, and Team Fittleworth has yet to check in beyond Dayan. I don't think they're going to check in. Oh, but you knew that already, didn't you? <laughs> well, I had heard word uh, you've been passed through the grapevine. Uh, uh, through the 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 uh, court elite has been made no or uh, has been made aware of your accusations and is looking into them. Observation, not accusation. I'll put that down here. Thank you. And he scribbles observation down on a piece of paper. <laughs> now, um, 
As you may or may not know, uh, this is the capital of the country of Valdru, run by the Druidic culture of the gnomish Valdruians. Um, entry beyond this wall, uh, behind this building, is restricted, to say the least. Now, your next checkpoint is nearly directly north of here, in the country of Zelhost, uh, the city of Czech Dekon. The quickest way, of course, would be down the stream of, uh, down the stream that runs through the center of Valdru. There are many ferries that make that transit. Uh, however, one would need access to Valdru to do so. Uh, visitors are not met with hostility or derision here in Valdru, but they are rare, and they are extremely vetted. Should you prefer to attempt to pass through Valdru, I and the court elite must insist that you go through the proper channels so as to uh, not anger the druids. Uh, the way to do that would be to meet with the council of druids that run this nation and pass their tests. Should they deem you worthy, you will be allowed access through the country. Your alternative would be to go either east or west. Uh, east would lead you back into Old Paldoris, where you can... No. Uh, okay. <laughs> of course. Uh, and western would be the Desert of Isida, uh, which would be slightly out of your way, and you'd have to backtrack a bit to make it to the next checkpoint in Isida. Uh, so those would be your three options, uh, lest you want to try and charter an airship over Valdru, um, which is not, uh, which, uh, as far as my records show, there's no direct path, uh, or there's no direct air path um, from Ethingroud to Chekdekon. So, just before we continue, would you like me to uh, inform the druids of your desire to be allowed access, or would you prefer to take a different route? Do you know how long the trials take? I could have you in there by the morning, and should you prove to be pure of spirit, uh, they will uh, allow you access later that afternoon. I think it's worth a shot. And we lose a day if we fail, and if we succeed, it's a pretty big time gain. Uh, yes, please. All right, I'll put you down for a meeting with the druids at 10 a.m. Now... Is there anything else you'd like to uh, uh, like to know or any information you need uh, before you continue? Anything from yes. me at all? Oh, yes. How can I help you, Mr... He looks at a list. Quaglin. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Where were you born, Duncan Ferner? Uh, excuse me? Where were you born? I, um... <laughs> well, I... Huh. It's an irregular question. I'm... It's a pretty simple one, though. It's, yes. <laughs> I'm from Evangles, of course. Right. Which part? He sits there for a second. Eastern Evangles. What town? Well, uh, <laughs> surely, surely this line of questioning has no, uh, uh, has no reason, uh, given my capacity as a representative of the court elite. He marks something on his clipboard. <laughs> uh, and he goes, um, now if you please excuse me, I have, a meet uh, I have to go arrange your meeting with the druids and put in a good word for you. <laughs> Thank you, Duncan Furter. I appreciate everything you've done for us. Of course, Mr. Looks to the list. Gunsby. Barnabas <laughs> Gunsby. 
Uh, and he uh, he stands up and walks through like another beaded curtain <laughs> on the side of the room, uh, out of sight. So what? I suppose we go camp on the beach. What is he? I don't know. Okay. Representative <laughs> <laughs> of the core delete. Yes, he's a representative of the core delete. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we camp on the beach. <laughs> also, I'm very wary of team cups being around somewhere. <laughs> All right, roll notice. Uh, tier two. Right. Also tier two. I got a tier two as well. All right, you guys look around as you're setting up camp. Uh, you just see a couple other people setting up camp. Some of them are gnomes, uh, and some of them are uh, other races. It seems like a pretty diverse selection. Um, all of them seem to be wearing, uh, <clears throat> for the most part, like natural uh, clothing, like, you know, uh, nothing too fancy. Um, you stand out a little bit, Talia, with Gerald. Um, but no one's really treating you with any, like, derision or anything. Um, uh, in fact, people uh, stop by and, like, you know, uh, offer to help you guys set up your tents. Um, and, uh, one, uh, one group nearby you, um, <clears throat> uh, uh, Seder comes up, uh, and he, uh, uh, he offers, he offers you guys like some fish that he caught cause he caught too much. Um, and everyone just seems to be like helping each other out here on this beach. I suppose we'll help others if there's need. Sure. And mm. then we'll pack it in for the evening. The evening passes without any event. Um, and then you guys, uh wake up in time to uh, break down your camp uh, and head to the gatehouse um, so that you can uh, go and meet the druids. Uh, there's two guards standing uh, there with uh, crossbows slung over their shoulders and like spears in hand. Um, they're both gnomish. I will not wear my wings. Um, I put, I'll put them in my pack. Okay. okay. Um, Gerald comes with you, uh, yeah? Yes. <clears throat> uh... So you guys uh, approach, uh, and the gnomes are like, Halt! Hi. <clears throat> We're uh, Team Jollypot, the Atroposian Circuit. We have a meeting with the Druidic Council. Uh, let me let me see here. And uh, one of them pulls out, like, uh, like a journal, like a leather-bound journal. Pulls, like, the tassel to open it up to uh, a bookmark page. Looks and goes, mm, yep. Uh, your names, please? Yeah, Ezekiel Quaglin. Okay. He checks you off. Talia Nazari. Checks you off. Barnabas Gunsby. Checks you off, closes it, and he goes, all right, um, uh, there's an escort waiting uh, to take you to the, uh, to the uh, council chambers. Um, Open the gate! Opening the gate. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there's a... As the, uh, uh, the gate begins to part um, and opens up. And uh, on the other side, you guys uh, see a uh, large... Elf, uh, with kind of a, a grayish green skin, oh, and uh, bright flame-like red hair, uh, and perched on uh, that elf's shoulder is uh, a gnome with a white beard uh, and a kind face. And uh, you guys see uh, Bartholo and Grundlefug, uh, and uh, Bartholo kind of like cocks his head and he goes, "Oh, Team Jollypot." And that's where we'll end today's session. Yay! This podcast has been brought to you by ENPC Productions. All rights reserved. The Essential NPCs podcast is not affiliated with, endorsed, sponsored, 
or specifically approved by Cracked Monocle Gaming. Tefra, the steampunk RPG, is a trademark of Cracked Monocle Gaming. All rights reserved. Go to www.crackedmonocle.com for more information.